the Sunday Sermons Podcast. See, we, we don't do what we do here because it's a ritual. We don't do this because we're trying to appease God or make up for something we did wrong or what we're about to do wrong the next week or somehow that this is some sort of a religious thing that we just do because you just do it. This is a strategic move we make together. God knows that we, we grow better when we're with each other, that when we systematically come back and remember his sacrifice and we sing to him and we pray to him, we give to him, we walk through his word with the expectation that we're, we're going to learn something new. When we do these things together on a regular basis, we change and we grow. And that is why we meet. And somehow or another, whether you're joining us online, welcome to all of you, or you're here in this room this morning, you, you, you're doing that this morning. So good job. And that's where we're going to start today uh, because the whole last couple of weeks, we've been talking about so many wonderful things that Jesus made possible through his incarnation on this planet. And, and we're talking about the way that he's made it possible for us to be love incarnate now. And that we're going to explore this morning as we wrap up that series that we are new creations in Christ, not by our own devices. There's no way we could do all the things that only Jesus did. And yet he's given so much responsibility to us on the other side of that. We get to choose how to live as new creations. He, he tells us what we need to do, but we choose whether to do that or not. Does that make sense? So one of the things that we need to do as new creations is use our time strategically. So let's make that statement. If you're taking notes, there's a first underline for you, but let's say this. As new creations in Christ, we use our time strategically. In other words, we don't just spend time. We don't waste time. We invest our time. And don't get me wrong. I think one of the best investments of your time sometimes is just to rest. Jesus commanded that actually. We have to have some time where we just rest. We have to have some time where we literally do nothing with the people that we love. I'm not saying that it's wrong to not use every minute to work. I'm saying that you need to use your time strategically. Sometimes that means resting, right? We don't have time to waste. The last couple of weeks, we've remembered a couple of things about how life doesn't always look the way we expect it to work, but God is in control. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at how um, God sent Jesus in what the Bible calls the fullness of time. And at the time, it felt like to the Jews that God was <clears throat> abandoning them, that it, it was, they were just experiencing oppression from the Romans. We don't have any graphics this morning. Is that, is that going to happen? Or is something going wrong? Okay, cool. Awesome. There we go. And just, there it is. So the Roman centurions are, um, sorry, that that just threw me for a second. I thought something was going wrong. Here we go. They thought that they were just being oppressed. But what they didn't know was that because of the Roman occupation at that time, they did have the temple. They'd had all the other things that needed to happen so that Jesus could fulfill every single prophecy. The, 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 the Romans were the people who had perfected the art of crucifying people. Are you with me? There, there were just layers and layers. If you missed that message and that intrigued you, go back. But God showed us that his plans are always going to happen because he sent his son in the fullness of time. 
We talked about how Jesus was God with us. God is with us in so many different ways, but he became physically, tangibly, historically living and breathing with us for a while. And that's one of the touchstones of our faith. We can look back and we know for sure it's real because of Jesus showing up the first time. We looked at the idea of all the ways that God has told us to behold something, the ways he He displays his power. And because he does that, we can look forward into the future and we can invest this moment right now with confidence because we know that when God says, behold, I make all things new, for example, that he's really able to make all things new. You and me, we can actually change. We can become new creations. And we know this. And when Jesus says, I'm coming back, behold, I am coming soon. We know that that's true because we can look back and we can look around at the stuff God's already shown us. Are we tracking so far? So building on all of that, here's where we are today. We're talking about how, again, we are new creations in Christ. But what does that look like? One more time, I think one of the things it's going to look like is that we use our time strategically. We're not just kind of wandering through life like so many people are. We're not just kind of doing our best and hoping something works out. We're actually trying our best to prepare for the return of Jesus Christ. We're investing our time. Jesus, of course, is the best example of everything, and he did this perfectly. If you watch what Jesus did, not only did he have daily and weekly, monthly rhythms of connecting with God and other people, not only did he somehow in 33 years get every single thing that he needed to done, not only was he efficient and effective, but he was so intentional about it. Every way that he did it left us a pattern to follow. For example, almost all the stories that we have about Jesus, almost all the big teachings that got written down happened on either a Sabbath or at one of the new feasts that they used to do. You know why? Because that was part of the rhythm of his life. That was where people were. He was not only accomplishing things in the most effective way, but he was setting an example for us. He knew that we needed to be together. And if you look through the scriptures, and this is another thing, especially over the Christmas season we've looked at, God is always calling us to something so much deeper than a naughty list and a nice list. That's Santa, not Jesus. That's pretend, not reality. Are you with me on this? He's calling us to something bigger than just try not to do as many bad things and try to do a few more good things. He's calling us to live every moment strategically in a direction that matters. He's made us new creations so that that's actually possible. But again, there are seasons. We're not just working all the time. We're not just resting all the time. We're not just grieving all the time. We're not just celebrating all the time. In Ecclesiastes, it says, for everything, there's a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A couple of translations really get this one wrong and say something like harvesting. But that that original word there for pluck up, it means to uproot. It means to rip out. It means to say, no, 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 you're not gonna grow here and get rid of that to make way for something else. That's part of what we do as using our time. Sometimes there's some things 
And they're not necessarily even wrong things, but they take up so much of our time, we've got to rip those out. How, how many know that we're all creatures of habit, right? We really are. Not, not that kind of habit. That's a different kind of habit. But it's also a really good, um, it's a good illustration. If you are a nun, there's a bunch of things that you say no to and a bunch of things you say yes to that aren't required to all Christians or all believers everywhere, you've joined that. It's the same thing if you join the military or if you're an Olympic athlete or any other major commitment, if you get married. Do you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of choices that we make that automatically come with a bunch of no's and a bunch of yeses. How many know what I'm talking about? But on a micro scale, this is what happens every single day. To use your time strategically, you have to say no to some things. And it's so much deeper than this is sin or this is righteous. It's just, what's going to work? How's this going to work? I looked up on lifehack.org and um, I found out that uh, most Americans, they did some sort of a big survey and found this out. Most Americans, and this is again, this is not judgment. This is just fact. Take it. However, you and the Holy Spirit work this out. Okay, but most Americans spend more than two hours every day doing at least one of the following, sometimes all of the above, email or some other kind of digital communication, up to two hours out of every 24 that we get. Or they're just surfing the internet, just randomly scrolling through random things, flipping channels, just trying to, you know, whatever got posted on YouTube that day, whatever's on TikTok or whatever else, somehow or another, you're just randomly looking at stuff for at least two hours a day. Or many of us watch TV, whatever, just if you still have TV, some people don't even have TV anymore. I don't for a long time, actually. I do have the internet. Way derail, let's come back. Some people watch TV for at least two hours every day. Um, this is an interesting one. Most people procrastinate for at least two hours every day. In other words, we spend more time rescheduling our day than it would take to actually do the things that we keep rescheduling. Isn't that crazy? And if that's you, that's, that's, you're a human being. I'm not judging you. I, I, I see myself in that, but that's real. We go, oh, that didn't get done. Let's reshuffle. I, I think I'll do that at three o'clock and I'll do that. And, and we spend over two hours a day doing that kind of stuff. I could go on and on. I don't want to, but you get the idea, right? And, and we only get 24 a day. And it's so much deeper than right and wrong. It's so much deeper than, oh, this is a sin. Or if I don't get this done, I'm not going to be a Christian anymore. It's not that. It's you've got this much time. You are a new creation. Jesus has done everything that needs to be done. You've got the chance to live a life that is free and full. What are you going to do about it? How are you going to invest what you've been given? Paul writes in Romans, because this, you know the time. The hour has come for you to wake up from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. The night is far gone and the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Notice the imagery here. Again, Jesus has laid the foundation. Jesus has done what only Jesus could do. And now who gets to choose whether we put on the armor he's given us? Who gets to choose that? We do. 
Who gets to choose whether instead of the armor, we cast off the armor and we put on the deeds of darkness? Who gets to make that choice? Us. Who has to bear the consequences? Us. Are we free to live 100% as new creations? Are we free to wear that armor every single day? Who makes the choice? Yeah, let's keep going. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. On a cosmic scale, there's a lot we could go way, way deep and spend all day. On a micro scale, on a daily basis scale, that's just your habits. Make it as hard as you can make it to do the sins that still tempt you. If there's something you're trying not to eat or drink or smoke or watch or whatever else, don't let it stay in your house. Cut off your access to it. Make sure you've always got people around. Are you following me on this? Make it really, really hard to do the wrong thing and make it as easy as possible to do the right thing. You guys all know how to do that because you get stuff done every day. Some of you just watch TV every day, but you somehow get it done. I'm not saying that I really believe anybody watch TV, but you understand what I'm saying? Whatever you get done, you get done. So you know how to get something done. It's just, we choose what we do. And again, this is a good news message. Paul says in Galatians, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit yourselves again to a yoke of slavery. We don't have to be slaves to sin anymore. We don't have to be slaves to anything else. We we have the power to be free. And not only that, the spirit of God now lives in us. Paul says, for I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Notice these are kind of in groups. Today we're going somewhere else in, in, in a second. So I don't have time to dig deep, but I encourage you to maybe go back and prayerfully go deep in this. This is a rabbit hole you might want to go back to. But these sins are listed in four categories. He doesn't say one, two, three, four. But there's a bunch of them that are, um, have to do with how they just rip up relationships. And then the fruits of the Spirit are all about things that actually pull us back together with God and each other. They're just throwing that out there. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, and sorcery. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, and envy. Drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And again, that that doesn't mean that if you've ever done that at some point in your life, it means if this is how you invest the time you've been given. If you use the freedom that you've got and the choice that you've got, and this is what you do with it, you're gonna miss what God has for you in this life and possibly even on the other side. This is, this, is, this is not where we go. But the fruit of the Spirit 
is love, joy, and peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. I don't know how much you guys try to do this. I don't know how every single one of you has experienced this as much or more than I have. But this is something that's available to us. God speaks to people in different ways through his word, through other people, through songs on the radio. There's a thousand ways he talks to us, not just a still small voice, but God wants to lead us through life. Jesus said that his children, his sheep know his voice. The spirit of God wants to lead you. That, that, that idea is all throughout the New Testament. You're, we're supposed to be guided by the spirit. We're supposed to somehow or another hear him and obey him. He walks us through life. Are we following so far? So here's a couple of things. The last three points are gonna go a lot faster, but they're so important. This is again, this is what it looks like when we actually live as new creations. I'm gonna say it one more time. We cannot do it on our own. We can't just force ourselves to be different. But Christ has given us the power. Christ has given us forgiveness. He's given us a clean slate. He's given us his spirit. He's given us so many things. And because of Jesus, we can. So these are the choices that we make. If we live as new creations, this is what it looks like. So again, the first one was we use our time strategically. Now we come to the next one. As new creations, say it with me. We use our talents effectively. You probably know this, that that word talent in English language actually comes from a unit of money back in Jesus's day because of the story Jesus told about the guy who left people with talents of silver. And your talents are the things, the abilities that God has given you to do. There's three words. If you're a note taker, you might, they all start with D to make it a little bit easier to remember. But I'm just gonna read this straight off of the notes if if you wanna write this down. Amazing things happen when every part of Christ's body discovers, develops, and devotes our gifts. Amazing things happen when every part of Christ's body discovers, develops, and devotes our gifts. You may think you don't have any talents. I guarantee you, you do. You need to discover all the ones you've been given. If you think you don't have any, you need to get busy today because I guarantee you've got at least one discover it, develop means you actually work at it. We all get better at anything that we do over and over. If we practice, we get better. That's how it is. You develop your talents, you're gonna get even better at them even though they're a God-given gift. And if you devote your gifts, that means you are devoting them to God. You're using them for his glory. You're trying to figure out why did he put this in my life? Why, why do I have this ability? There must be something I'm supposed to use it for. It's kind of like, does anybody remember your first watch when you were a kid? Anybody? That was a big deal when I got a watch. It, had, it was Mickey Mouse. And buddy, I knew when it was 8.03 and 8.04 and 8.05 and 36, 37, 38 seconds. 
I was on top of the world. (laughs) That's crazy. Anyway, here's the point. Jesus told us so many stories about time and they're not about just knowing what time it is. They're about using time well. Almost all of his stories in one way or way, one way or another have some sort of a responsibility in there. Uh, things that are growing. People are planting things and harvesting things. People are investing money. He talks about being a light and actually shining the light, not hiding it. Being salt, salty in a good way, not the salty, grumpy way. Being salty and actually making things taste better and preserving things that are good in the world. About being faithful servants. About there's going to be some sort of accountability on the other side. Again, we all have the same exact amount of time. And it's not about just knowing that. It's about how we choose to use it. Third thing, we invest our treasure responsibly. Would you say that out loud with me? We invest our treasure responsibly. If you're writing things down, there's two words here, idol and tool. I'll read it right to you. Wealth can be a dangerous idol or powerful tool. This could be a whole nother series or who knows what. This is a deep idea. Again, let me just say this. When we talk about money as new creations, we're not talking about naughty lists and nice lists. Okay, we're not talking about if you're a better person or worse person, if you have this kind of a car, or this kind of a house, that's the way the world thinks. We're not judging you if you have better things. We're not looking up to you if you have better things or the other way around. That's the way the world thinks. It's deeper than that. The way God looks at it, it's deeper than that. And if we're still stuck in, is it wrong to have this much money or is it wrong? Or am I, am I, if God's really going to bless me, then it's going to mean I have at least this much money. So I don't have that much money. Maybe God's not blessing me. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. That's the naughty list, nice list thing. And that's not how it works. Can we just say that real quick? But we're going to invest whatever we have for him whether that's a house or a car or clothes or time, but we're talking about the physical treasures at this point, money. Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Here's the key. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. How many have ever heard that before? That's really the key. But what that looks like on a daily basis is what kind of habits do you have? As you go through your day, do you spend more money on, say, I'm looking at myself here, coffee than just about anything else? When you're spending money on things, you're going, no, this is a really good investment. Is it something that's, going to make you look good to somebody else you think is it something that you're just selfish about or is it something that you really are trying to build the kingdom with or you just it's just so much fun you just love it you know this is going to be great for me and my family there's again we're not talking about a naughty list or not nice list i'm not trying to judge anybody condemn anybody or compliment anybody because they have really nice stuff i'm just saying where your treasure is that's where your heart's going to be that's what Jesus tells us. And that, that, those choices are up to you. 
Because the way that we see things really affects every choice that we make all through the day. Another thing Jesus said was this, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Over the Christmas season, we talked about several stories almost every year about people who learn to see things better and it changes everything. Uh, Ebenezer Scrooge, sound familiar? The Grinch. How about any Lord of the Rings fans? Gollum is a cautionary tale in the far other direction. Most of the heroes in that story, the hobbits and the others, are called into a grand adventure and and a relationship with people and a, a courage that they never knew they had. And Gollum goes the other way. He chooses the ring and that becomes his precious. And he's willing to kill for it. He's willing to eventually kill himself for it. Spoiler alert. The books have been around a while though, so I have the movie. Again, where your treasure is, is where your heart's gonna be. Those are choices that we make. And, and, and we're not gonna separate the, here's the naughty list and nice list for you this morning. I just encourage you as you go through this new year, remember that. What are you investing in? Because here's one more thing Jesus said. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You can use money for some really good things. And those of you who have been blessed with money, thank God for that. that you might also have this literal, biblical Holy Spirit given gift of giving, sharing, encouraging. There's a whole bunch of stuff that require you to have some resources to share. You might, you, I almost guarantee you've got those if you also have those resources. It's just where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Here's the fourth thing. If we are living as new creations, as if in this new year, we actually live this way, Here's one more thing that's going to happen. We're, we will share our testimonies expectantly. Would you say that with me? As new creations, we share our testimonies expectantly. And here, here's something I'd like you to remember. There's several blanks in a, in a row here, but this should be easy. Choosing to follow Christ. Hear me on this when we talk about testimony. Choosing to follow Christ, the moment you choose to follow Christ, that's the once upon a time of your story. That's not the happily ever after of your story. Let me say that one more time. When you choose to follow Christ, that's the once upon a time moment, not the happily ever after moment. God uses each of our whole story to make a difference in the world. How many times have you been at church or a big convention or wherever else Christians get together and somebody shares a testimony and the testimony is, here's all the sins that I did back in the day and I sinned and sinned and sinned and sinned and I was so miserable, broken and broken and broken and broken and it was so terrible and bad and bad and bad and bad and bad. And here's all the gory details. Let me go on with some more gory details. But then one day I gave my life to Jesus and happily ever after. Have you ever heard that story? That's not a testimony, not biblically speaking. 
Biblically speaking, a testimony is this is what God has done in my life. This is what God continues to do in my life. This is who God has made me different. This is what I do every single day now. This is what I anticipate doing next. My story is not just what I used to do before I met Jesus. My new story starts then. I come to Jesus and he goes, that's the backstory now. Once upon a time, here you go. The happily ever after comes at the very end. Heaven, right? And, and a lot of times that's why people get really discouraged and they don't even wanna be a Christian because they're like, well, all the Christians I know, they, they get saved, but then their lives are still, they still go through stuff. They still have hard times, stuff's still wrong. Where's the happily ever after? In heaven. You're still in chapter seven or something. It's still getting crazy. The climax of the story hadn't even happened. Of course, it's not happily ever after. That's not where we live. We live between once upon a time and happily ever after. If you're alive, if you're here this morning, you're joining us online, wherever you are, your story is still happening. This is the middle of it. And if you somehow came to Christ at some point and thought that was the end of your story, you're missing the whole story. You're missing why Jesus came. You're missing why we celebrate Christmas, why we celebrate New Year's, why we celebrate Easter, why we celebrate all these new beginnings that we get. The new beginnings are great because we actually get to live differently. We actually can. Are you catching this? Imagine if the original disciples, if their stories went like this and Jesus said, follow me, and they did. What would we do with all the stories about what an idiot Peter was and what a hero he was at other times? What would we do with all the times about, uh, with all, all the stuff that they did up until Jesus left and afterwards when they actually did what he told them to go into all the world, to make disciples of all the nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, to teach them to obey everything that he had commanded. What would we do if their story had just been like, hey, dude, I got saved, that's all I got. I used to just be a fisherman. Then I got saved. No, the story is what happens in between when you get saved and the happily ever after. And that's the beauty, that's the power. That's where God really shows what he wants to do in the world and draws other people into his story with him. Paul writes, therefore, if anyone is a new Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone and the new is here. My question to you this morning is, how are you going to do these things? things. One more time. You're going to use your time strategically. I'd love for you to take a moment. We're going to sing in just a second, but before we do that, just write down just one idea that came into your head when you thought about that. How are you going to use your time more strategically? How are you going to use your talents more effectively? Again, we're not talking naughty and nice lists. We're not talking simplicity. We're not, if God only gives you one idea to use out of all of these four categories, that's fine. But you're a new creation. There's gotta be something new. 
You live between once upon a time and happily ever. There's got to be something that changes. What is something, what is one way that God's calling you to invest your treasure more responsibly? What is one way that God is calling you to share your testimony, to live your testimony and to share it with others and invite them into this story? One way or another, we're still here to fulfill the Great Commission, to go into all the world, to make disciples of all the nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, to teach them to obey all the things that Jesus commanded us. And when we do those things, he's promised that he will always be with us, even to the very end, even up to happily ever after showing up. This part of the story, he's promised to be with us if we're faithful to do the stuff he left us in charge of. I encourage you to make whatever choice you need to make this morning as we stand, as we sing. If it needs to be a public one, please come right over there. Somebody will be there to welcome you and walk you through that decision. But let's all make some choices this morning. Let's all surrender to God as we sing this song.